Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Here they go again. Hey, hello, friends. And welcome to a very special edition of the Bill Press Pod from the Democratic Debate at the Tyler Perry Studios in Atlanta, Georgia. Since the last debate, Beto O'Rourke dropped out and Julian Castro did not make the cut. So 10 candidates took the stage in Atlanta. Frontrunners Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders. Plus, still hoping to break through Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Cory Booker, Tulsi Gabbard, Tom Steyer, and Andrew Yang. As your representative in Atlanta, Immediately following the debate, I headed to the spin room to get reaction from reporters on the scene. So we say hello first to uh, Niall Stanich, a regular on the Bill Press podcast here in Atlanta and a White House columnist for The Hill. Uh, two hours and 20 minutes. Niall, uh, your take generally? I don't think that it changed the trajectory of the race in any fundamental way. I didn't see any moment that really had that game-changing effect. That's probably good news for Pete Buttigieg, who's been on the rise, and not bad news, honestly, for Elizabeth Warren, who's also in a strong um, position. I thought Kamala Harris had a good night, but is it too late already for her? She has fallen away somewhat in the polls. That's my overall take. Uh, Do you think uh, the field narrows now from... uh 10, maybe down to 6 or 8? I, I think it well could do so. It was interesting, Cory Booker, in his closing statement, making an appeal to his supporters to try to get him into the next debate. I think that shows how much that issue is on the minds of candidates who are uh, on the periphery of this field and who could drop, be forced out. Any one moment that stands out as uh, maybe a, ga- a little, maybe not a game changer, but that will be remembered? Well, I think, uh, unfortunately for former Vice President Joe Biden, I feel he had another shaky night. One uh, moment there was when he appeared to say that he had the support of the only uh, black woman elected to the U.S. Senate, when one black woman elected to the U.S. Senate, Senator Harris, was standing alongside him. That was a most peculiar moment. Thanks, Now, Thanks, Phil. Uh, talking now with Ryan Grimm. A uh, good friend who is uh, with uh, the Young Turks Network and, of course, bureau chief for DC bureau chief for Intercept. Can't hold S- <laughs> right. So, Ryan, uh, anything changed tonight at all? Maybe not. You know, the, the candidates didn't really treat Buttigieg like a front runner. Uh, I don't know if that was a collective action issue that everybody was hoping that somebody else would take a whack at Pete. They didn't want to do it for fear that he's too cuddly. Uh, he's too well liked by the kind of resistance that has, you know, kind of grown affection for him. That uh, a lot of them have uh, donors that love Pete, and so uh, might be of, have been afraid to alienate donors. Um, Did anybody stand out tonight? 
do you think they that really helped the themselves? Uh, Booker, I think Corey, Corey Booker, um, with a you know, pretty great moment, uh, asking Biden if he was high when he said that we shouldn't legalize marijuana, and then Biden kind of caving and saying, hey, anybody who's in prison for weed should be let out. I, I didn't notice uh, many people on the stage saying, yeah, legalize pot. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny how far the world has come in just a few years on that on that question. So Booker did, but Booker is like uh, uh, on death watch. You know, he may not make the next debate even. Um, I, I don't think. I don't think. You know, to to the extent that Buttigieg did not get killed, and now has a chance to have another, you know, four weeks where he hangs out in the top. Um, that gets you into December, then Christmas comes. So he, there's a very, there's every reason to believe that he'll be at the top heading into the Iowa caucuses so at this he point. he may be the one who helped himself the most tonight. By not hurting himself, right. Yeah. Good. Ryan, thanks. Good to talk Thank to you. Thank you, Bill. All right. And talking now with Rebecca Sinderbrand, senior Washington editor for NBC News. Uh, two hours, 20 minutes, your take? You know, the interesting thing tonight was the way the expectations coming into this are completely reversed coming out of this. We went into this thinking that Mayor Pete was going to be in the crosshairs, that it was going to be the biggest pylon we'd seen, and we saw virtually none of that. In didn't fact, touch him. Didn't touch him. And in fact, it seemed like the candidates were almost going out of their way not to attack yeah. each other. They were offered several opportunities, several clear um, paths and roads to hit each other on issues that have been in the news, um, and they sidestepped them. Um, and on the other hand, they attacked President Trump more than they attacked each other. All attacks on each other combined didn't equal the number of attacks that they took at President Trump. Did anybody really stand out tonight? There were some moments that stood out, some for good reasons, some for not great reasons. I think, you know, it doesn't seem as though anyone had a breakout night. It seems as though a lot of people were were playing it safe. They're playing maybe perhaps the long game, but no one was going for broke on stage tonight. No one was trying to make their kind of final stand, it seemed like. You know, in the past few debates, we've seen where there's been a clear, almost not quite a desperation, but there's been this sense from some of the candidates on stage that the clock is ticking, they have to make their mark. That's not the sense we got tonight. Yeah. If there were... Two candidates who got, it seems to, I haven't looked at the clock at, the most time mm-hmm. and spoke the strongest and the loudest, maybe Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. They absolutely did. Um, looking at the stats, they absolutely did get a lot of time tonight. They were way up at the top of the leaderboard. And and that, that sort of maybe shows the direction of the Democratic primary, if you will. Or at yeah. least the conversation at this moment. Right. Absolutely. The yeah. Book bold ideas and strong ideas and versus the pragmatism on the part of some of the candidates. You know, the conversation went to a lot of interesting places tonight. You know, it didn't cover every single issue out there, but we did have conversation about a lot of issues that haven't really gotten a lot of time this primary season, foreign policy, for instance. Um, you know, and so it, it was interesting to see where that conversation went. Um, but absolutely, when it came to, for instance, the conversation around health care, that discussion for this primary season has been powered by the ideas that were first advanced by Bernie Sanders and by Elizabeth Warren. Rebecca, good to talk to you. Good to Thanks. Talk to you. Good to see you. Thanks.
And, of course, uh, we all know Nikki Schwab, a regular on the Bill Press podcast here in Atlanta, senior U.S. political reporter for DailyMail.com. Hey, Nikki. Hi, Bill. All right. So uh, it was a long night. It was a long night. And mostly it was a long night because of all of the congressional testimony today. <laughs> yes, right. On top of it. On top of then a Democratic debate. So the longest debate, maybe not the most exciting debate, um, your overall take. Who did well? Who did not? I didn't really think that, I'm not saying that any that, that they didn't do well, but I'm saying that I think after sort of the bigger context of the day, it was really hard to sort of even pay attention to the debate. I, I didn't think that they sort of pushed anything forward as far as policies go that were different or new. They spent, again, a lot of time on sort of the minutiae with healthcare. It was interesting that we didn't talk more about race being that this is in Atlanta, uh, being that this is a southern state, uh, obviously South Carolina, you know, a nearby state is one of the first states that will, mm-hmm. uh, you know, get to vote in this uh, primary season. So, I don't know. I just wasn't that enthralled by this. this Did debate. anybody like really stand out, or anybody really hurt themselves? You know, I it'll be interesting to see what people have to say about the um, Kamala Tulsi back and forth. And then also the Tulsi Pete Buttigieg back and forth. I think that, you know, Tulsi continues to sort of gain support among, uh, I wouldn't say sort of classic Democrats. And I think that they'll say that through their prism that she looked good. I think that people that support Buttigieg will will like the fact uh, that he took her on for her meeting with Bashar al-Assad. And I think that, you know, I, I saw a lot of tweets in support of Kamala and how she sort of handled uh, Tulsi and how she sort of called her out for knocking Barack Obama on Fox News. Right. And I guess the, the question we've had after all these debates is, are these really good for the Democratic Party? That's a very tough question. I think one of the things that we can say about these debates is that, you know, we talked, I think, the last time about, you know, how great of a night Amy Klobuchar had. Right. She didn't move in the polls. Cory Booker had one of the best moments of tonight's debate, and that is when he basically asked Joe Biden if he was high for not backing, you know, legalized pot and talking about sort of disparity between white Americans and black Americans when it comes to, like, weed prosecutions. Like, that was a great, great moment for Cory Booker. That's, like, one of the main stories we're going to write about this debate. I guarantee he doesn't go up in the polls. So the question is, you know, are they actually impactful when it comes to, you know, how Americans are perceiving these candidates. Now, obviously, people aren't voting for another three months. And so, you know, that will be... Then I guess I think maybe we'll see the debates matter more as the uh, the field windows down. But right now, it just doesn't seem to me making much of a difference. So the converse of that is Joe Biden, Joe Biden, who had the most embarrassing moment of the night when he bragged about the only... Uh, African-American woman elected to the Senate. Yeah, and Kamala was like, hello. Kamala is right alongside of him. And do you think that will hurt him in the polls? It's just, it doesn't seem to really, it it hasn't thus far. Um, You know, one of the other stories I wrote tonight uh, was about Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump sort of making fun of Joe Biden for being, quote, senile and for, you know, acting his age. And, you know, he turned 77 today. Uh, and, you know, age will obviously be always be an issue uh, with, with Joe Biden. But it, it still doesn't seem like, you know, these gaffes have really hurt him. I think maybe in part because they're baked in. 
you know, whenever Trump will say that, you know, his like dalliances with women was something that people knew about him or his, you know, business ties was something baked in that his people, you know, already knew that about him. I think that maybe people know that like Biden's a gaffe monster. And so when he keeps on making these flubs, including in his opening statement tonight where he couldn't, you know, put together like a coherent sentence, it doesn't really seem to, to matter to his supporters. Though has his supporter, has that base grown? No, it's actually, I think, in most polls, sort of stayed steady or diminished. Right, right. Shrunk maybe a little bit or just yeah. about stayed the same. Yeah, but he does have that name recognition, which I think will always, you know, a certain percentage of Democratic voters, I especially think older Democratic voters, mm-hmm. will uh, will be very comfortable with Biden. Okay. Nikki, good to see you. Thank you, Bill. We'll see you again on a podcast soon. Excellent. Sounds right, good. Cool, thanks. <laughs> and here in the spin room, Chris Catalago, who is a national political reporter, Frequent guest on the Bill Press podcast, uh, national political reporter for Politico. Chris, what do you think tonight? Anybody do great and anybody uh, hurt themselves? What really surprised me about tonight, especially given Pete Buttigieg's rise in Iowa, was the fact that we saw the top tier of the field, you know, basically everybody besides Tulsi Gabbard holding back and not taking the opportunities to uh, take him on. And it, it made me think of the September to October debate where there was almost kind of a cushion for Elizabeth Warren and they were waiting to see is the media going to jump in and and vet this person? What are the stories going to look like? We still have the December debate to really engage him. Why did they not take on Pete Buttigieg? That seems to be the theme of everybody tonight. They're just surprised. They expected Pete to come under fire. I think a lot of it is the the media vetting and the things that folks expect to happen over the next month before this December debate, December 19th. And I think um, a lot of it is uh, those folks still lead him nationally. Yes, he's he's risen in Iowa. But um, to look like, you know, if you're someone like Joe Biden, that you're attacking the mayor of South Bend, or if you're Elizabeth Warren, who's really campaigning on these big ideas, that it just didn't really fit this time around to to go after him. And especially when we don't know where he's going to stand. We've seen other candidates in this race, Kamala Harris, um, earlier on some others who who, um, have had these uh, arise and then fallen even before the next debate. And so, so to spend a bunch of time talking about him and in some ways, maybe in some perverse ways, elevating him into their tier uh, just didn't seem like a good use of time. So is this debate, or do any of these debates, let's just talk about tonight's debate, does it move anything forward? Does it change anything in the, in the direction of this Democratic primary? The thing I'm looking for, and I know this could seem a little bit small ball at the moment, is I, I don't think it does. <laughs> if you're Biden. I don't think it does if you're Warren and probably not Sanders. Does it help uh, someone like Cory Booker get onto the stage in the next debate? Does it help Kamala Harris get enough money to start running some TV ads in Iowa? So it's sort of that second tier of candidates who are trying to break through, stay in this, really try to stay competitive and whether this will kind of give them enough airtime and enough momentum on social media and elsewhere for them to, to get their money in line. How many are going to be in the next debate? Uh, it's po- it's possible that as many as were in this one. I know but different um, players, maybe. It, there might be some others, but you know, Castro wasn't in this one. He's I know fighting very very hard to get back. He has there's a, a constituency out there that that felt like his voice was missing in this debate, and I know that that's going to be a big push from. Obviously, it's going to be very tough. I think. Um, Tulsi Gabbard looks like she's she's in. Tom Steyer, I think, just needs a little bit 
uh, uh, more donations, and we know what he's paying on Facebook for those. So I, I think you know he's done it poll wise. So we might we might see these same faces um, then. Yeah, Chris, good to talk to you. Yeah, Thank thanks, you. Phil. All right, thanks man, good to see you. Thanks. Yeah. Again in the spin room. And again, the spin room, we run into a Gabe Benedetti from New York Magazine, a good friend, and we run into you at every debate. I mean, you can't stay away from these things. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm here, Bill. Was this the most exciting of all? Sure, you could say that. Uh, I wouldn't. Uh, it was not the most uh, exhilarating in terms of, uh, you know, one-on-one clashes. Uh, listen, it's, I think, one of the big lessons that we've all learned from these debates is it's so hard to tell what is actually going to matter to real voters. But I think if you're a few of these candidates, you've got to hope that, that people are changing their perspective, perceptions of you. Pardon my uh, stumble there. You know, Kamala Harris obviously came out swinging. She really wants to change the trajectory of her campaign that's been sliding. And if you're Cory Booker, he said explicitly on stage, you know, I need your help to get on the next debate stage. Uh, and his closing statement there felt in the room to be pretty strong. Right. Uh, Pete Buttigieg. Everybody expected this was going to be beat up on Pete Buttigieg tonight. Didn't happen. Why? It didn't. And I think that this is very similar to what happened the first time Elizabeth Warren was considered a front runner. Everyone expected folks to go after her. It didn't happen until the following debate. Part of it is that people are waiting to see how much staying power he have, has. And the other part of it, I think, is that while everyone on stage would like to see his numbers go down, they've all calculated that it's not in their interest to be the person that goes after them. Because, of course, there are a lot of risks associated with that. Right. The debate over Medicare yeah. for all. Right. This is maybe the third debate, right? right. Where the candidates have spent time, Democrats spending time, attack, criticizing, differenting other Democrats. Either we go all the way or more pragmatic approach. Right. right. You know, it's, does that lead anywhere? now? It's, it's a hard conversation for a lot of these candidates to have because you can see that a lot of them just want to say out loud, listen, this is not a policy that's actually likely to pass no matter who becomes president. Obviously, Bernie Sanders wouldn't agree with that, but even Elizabeth Warren has other things that she'd like to pass before the Medicare for All plan. I think one of the frustrations that you see from a lot of reporters, but also from some of the candidates, and they'll say this out loud, is that health care is obviously such an important issue to real voters, and it's the number one issue, but Medicare for All isn't always the number one issue itself. A lot of, can- a lot of voters that I talk to out in Iowa and New Hampshire in particular, who are very, you know, uh, well-informed about a lot of this stuff, say healthcare costs are a more pressing concern in the short run than an overhaul of the entire system. Was there any one line that you enjoyed the most or you think will be uh, maybe the most replayed out of tonight's? If there was any, if there was going to be one line, oh, let's say that there were two. Okay. One was when uh, Cory Booker said that he thought that Joe Biden may have been high when he opposed legalizing marijuana. That was quite a moment, and I would recommend that anyone takes a look at the image of Joe Biden's face when Booker said that. The other one was when uh, was when Biden said he was endorsed by the only woman, ever, the only African American woman ever elected to the Senate, uh, with Kamala Harris standing right there. She threw her hands up and said, sort of, you could see her face was like, I can't believe he just said that. Uh, Biden did correct himself, and obviously he meant to say the first, referring to Carol Mosley Braun. He didn't say the first. He did not. To to which, uh, may I add, uh, Andrew Yang saying his first comment to Putin would be, sorry I beat your guy. Yeah, and then, then of course, well, I'm not that sorry. Uh, there are some good. There were some good little zingers in this debate, and of course, Amy Klobuchar, who often makes her joke about raising money from boyfriends, for example, uh, she's known for making a bunch of jokes like that on the campaign trail. She says that actual line at every single event that I've ever seen her, uh, and it's in her book too, her pre-campaign book. But you know, she wanted to make sure to let people know that she's got that that element to her. All right, well, Gabe, we'll see you in December. I have no doubt. Happens. See All you right. there. Thanks, man. Thanks, Will. And here in the spin room. 
Laura Baron-Lopez is national political reporter for Politico. Hi, Laura. Good to see you. Good to see you, Bill. You sat through the whole debate. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you come away with? What were your impressions? Well, I think a lot of these debates don't uh, necessarily move or sway voters in any way, and I don't expect this one to either. Uh, Why? Too boring? Um... Again, it's like very fast snippets, and when you talk to voters out on the trail, as I just did this past week, they um, they very rarely mention what has happened in the debates. They talk about what they've heard directly from candidates in interviews, um, or what they hear when they go to their events, uh, or about the specific issues that they pay attention to. Um, so I think in this debate, Sanders, Warren, and Biden... Um, kind of came out unscathed. Uh, Nothing probably really changes for them. It sounds like this one has at least boosted Booker a bit Mm -hmm. um, and gives him the potential to possibly make the next debate stage, which he hasn't qualified for uh, in December. Um, Everything that we were waiting for was whether or not Pete Buttigieg would get heavily attacked. I know. That's what everyone (laughs) talks about, Right. right? And he didn't. No, not much, really. by Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah, by Gabbard. And he, he took maybe a shot or two from Klobuchar, but it wasn't heavy. Uh, and uh, when you talk to the campaigns, um, it appears as though they just don't want to punch at him because it could look as though they're punching down uh, from the other frontrunners. It seemed tonight there were it was more direct going after Donald Trump. Maybe... The candidates decided, not that they ever had a meeting to decide, right? Let's spend less time going after each other and more time going after Trump. Did you sense that? I think there is increasingly more of that as we get closer to the actual contest. Biden has heavily talked about Trump more and more on the stump. Um, And yeah, we saw that from the other candidates, from Harris to Klobuchar. uh, And I think that they realize that maybe when they attacked each other, voters didn't necessarily like necessarily like that. I think there's a big aversion to that among Democratic voters right now. No, so I want to tie what you, we saw tonight to what you see out on the campaign trail. Mm-hmm. Out on the campaign trail, do you find people talk... There were several references tonight to impeachment. How could you not after right. the hearings this week? Do you hear people talking about impeachment out on the campaign trail? O- almost never. Really? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you'll go to events and there'll be no mention uh, of it. Uh, the candidates no don't... No questions? No questions about it. The candidates, maybe once in a great while, will mention it, but they won't say the I word. They won't say impeachment. They'll refer to... Warren likes to refer to the corruption that's going on in Washington. Uh, Biden, just in Nevada at his event there this week mentioned that, oh, there's a few things I've learned this past week, clearly alluding to the hearings. And he said, I learned that Putin doesn't want me to be president and that Donald Trump doesn't want me to be the nominee. But he doesn't mention impeachment. Wow. Wow. It's almost like a different universe. Yes, it is. Good to see you again. Great to see you. Thanks so much. In Atlanta, there is no family uh, more uh, well-known, no family more highly respected, than the family of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Of course, uh, his son, Martin Luther King III, in the spin room uh, talking with reporters. Expect is that better or worse than what you've seen in recent Democratic races? Uh, I think it's better. In what way? I think it's better. I think it's better because 
um, you know, at some point, it's not just taking a vote for granted. It is about inclusion, and there are people who are brought to the table who are part of the process of, of deciding how the issues are going to be addressed and what the solutions are. I mean, these are real solutions that really don't just totally focus on one community. They focus on the entire community. And, and, and it, so it helps the entire community, but it happens to also, uh, in many cases, it's disproportionately represented in communities of color, so it helps the, those communities uh, significantly. And, and I'll wrap up here, but, but uh, Kamala Harris mentioned, well, a lot of times they'll show up at black churches on Sundays and then forget about us the rest of the year. Uh, and, and she made a point of saying that uh, there has to be a commitment that lasts, that yep. is year-round, that is yep. ongoing. And I, I think that is representative of all all candidates. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I, I certainly believe the major candidates, uh, and I think that they're, the, these candidates are doing that. I don't. I, I see that as happening. It's it's been a process, but it is it is happening. Are you supporting any one of the uh, candidates? No, so I have, far? I'm not. I've not okay. yet chosen a candidate. Uh, I'm looking, and actually. Going to be going to be uh, actually uh, meeting with some of the candidates over the next few uh, few days. Do you uh, uh, follow what uh, Vice President Biden said tonight that he's got the uh, leg up when it comes to supporting the African American community? I think that the African American community at a certain age level, say forty five and up, is tuned into the vice president at this point. I think you know thirty five and down is up for grabs. Right. So I think that those who have been traditional voters, historically, they are, are now with, with Vice President Biden. And they, that's his to lose, quite frankly. Right. Um, what, what sense do you get in terms of excitement and motivation in the African-American community to get out and vote in 2020? It certainly made a difference in 2018. Yeah, um, and I, I believe that can be galvanized and mobilized in, in 2020 as well. Uh, I think when you have young people who are involved, like the Parkland students, I think when you have the Me Too movement coalescing with Parkland students, I think when you have Black Lives Matter, those are just three components of our society that almost could determine an election. Right, and could make the difference. Yes, and I think they're going to be mobilized. Uh, I don't see any reason why not. I think that the climate of the country, the, the distastefulness, uh, you know, the way that this administration has chosen to conduct itself is creating not just a consciousness, but a desire for change. And tonight's very special debate from uh, Atlanta and the Democratic debate is brought to you by the International Association of Firefighters. Hey, let's hope you never need them, but you know if you do need them, they'll be there as fast as they can get there to take care of you and your family. They're on the front lines, firefighters across America, on the front lines protecting American families every day, for which we are most grateful, and we're certainly grateful to the firefighters under the leadership of President Harold Schaatberger for sponsoring the Bill Press Pod. 
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Uh, and a good friend and a familiar face in the uh, spin room, Roland Martin. Roland. Yeah, I'm just in here hanging out. I didn't. I didn't. Come, I just came in here just to say hello to a couple of people. I was chatting at Rosario Dawson, so I said I thought I'll hang out. Yeah. Uh, did you get to watch the debate? No, I was there. I was in the room. Um, it was uh, extremely frustrating for Steyer and for Yang, for Sanders. Uh, they were trying to get in. Uh, I thought, it's, look, you, sh- you, you should never have four people asking questions. It's too many people. It's way too many people. Uh, secondly, it makes it hard. It's too many topics. Streamline the topics to allow the candidates to be able to answer, to go back and forth. It was just, it was frustrating. There was a competition on, uh, okay, who's got a leg up on the black vote? Joe Biden said, I'm number one. Uh, do you buy that? And he's, well, he's right. I mean, if you look at the current polling, I mean, his numbers are extremely strong when it comes to voters uh, who are 50-plus, uh, but he also is doing very well 1849. Uh, of course, he's weaker 1849 than 50-plus, but who votes more? voters who are 50 plus and so who's more likely to vote in primaries folks who are 50 plus and so he's absolutely right and so I think you're seeing that and so it's going to be a serious competition uh, that exists and Buddha judge knows he has to do better among African Americans that's why he, he he has to target that uh, Harris you saw her focus really on black women she's having a breakfast higher heights uh, in the morning focused on that as well and so uh, they understand and what just we saw happen in Louisiana black turnout was 31 percent of all folks who turned out uh, for John Bill Edwards. That's what put them over the top. And so they understand the role black voters are going to play because black folks hate Donald Trump more than anybody else. 
Cory Booker had to have a good night to stay on the stage uh, even in December. Did he, do you think? I thought, I thought Cory Booker had a very good night. Uh, it was frustrating for him. I, I still believe, though, I think, look, Cory's deal is Senator Booker is trying to run the Obama playbook of hope, of aspiration. That's not what Democrat voters are right now. They want to fight him. They want someone who's fighting. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's lagging, because that message is not resonating. They want somebody who's going to fight. And it's not about love. It's not about hope. It's not about uh, uh, holding hands and being units. They want to say, can you take the fight? His closing arguments, he made the point, but he did not stick with it consistently, I think, uh, earlier in the Hill deal. Yeah. Only thing you might have had the best line in the night was, like, were you high? Yo, that was that was. But but no, but no, but but that was a perfect example of my frustration with this whole format. You finally saw energy. You finally saw them going mad at it. Okay, then you cut the commercial break, and then all of a sudden you come back and you kill it. Okay, my that's where you really had a difference of opinion, and I think that's what stands out among the candidates. You might not want to go with that. Yeah, good to see you, man. Good to see you, babe. All right, all right, take care. And here in the spin room, Todd Gilman is a, hey, he's a member of the board of the White House Correspondents Association, and then also Washington Bureau Chief for the Dallas Morning News. Hey, Todd. Good to see you, Bill. Let's talk about tonight's, deb- tonight's debate. Uh, overall impression? It was a bit of a muddle, I thought. Um, there were some canned lines, yeah, the, the, you know, Booker's line about Biden. I thought he was high when he said that about marijuana. Um you know, a little, oh, here goes Tom Steyer walking past us here. Tom Steyer walking past us with the mob of reporters almost knocking us over. Um, but it was, a, it was a bit of a muddle in the sense that uh, really the whole thing is overshadowed by the impeachment hearing today. The huge dominant news today is the impeachment. It was unavoidable. They talked about it to some degree. The moderators did a really good uh, job of moving past it. But really, does anybody today care about anything else at all? Um, it's, it's just hard to break through that. And also with 10 people on stage, it's hard to break through, which has been an issue in all of the five debates. And everybody's always looking to see if one candidate hurts himself or hurts herself or helps right. themselves. And tonight? No? At the end of it? I, I anybody better off or worse off? I, I don't. I didn't see anybody particularly worse off. Uh, I mean, even the ones who are getting attacked, who are on kind of the fringe, like Tulsi Gabbard, mixing it up with Pete Buttigieg. So she got in some licks with him, and then he got in some licks with her. That probably benefits her because she can say, "Look, why would he be taking me? Why would he be attacking me if he wasn't taking me seriously?" Um, he probably was looking at it as, "Man, we got to squash this thing before it gets any further." Um, and Buttigieg obviously is, you know, he was taking fire from a lot of sides, which was completely expectable. It didn't really gel until kind of later in the debate that what everyone expected would happen did happen, that Buttigieg was, you know, a, a target because he's the front runner in Iowa and New Hampshire. Um, nobody, I, I just didn't hear, to, to use the cliches, I don't think anybody hit a home run. I don't think anybody stepped on their own feet so terribly that people are going to keep playing that over and over and going, oh, man, they're terrible. Right. So uh, finally, uh, I promise to let you go. I want to ask you about Joe Biden. Uh, you know, Joe had a couple of good moments tonight, but he also had some big stumbles. Does it make any difference anymore? 
Well, I, you know, I, I looked it up while I was writing my story tonight. He turned 77 today. Happy birthday, Joe. And, you know, he's been gaff prone as far as I can remember his whole career, certainly for decades. You know, that's just a Joe Biden uh, hallmark. But as one gets older, fairly or unfairly, when people start hearing those gaffes and associating it with gray hair and you're a septuagenarian, they start thinking, oh, dementia, we got to worry about dementia. He's going to be 82 by the time his first term ends. Um, you know, when, when he refers to uh, Carol Mosley Brown as the, you know, the only black senator woman who, yeah, and she endorsed him, and Kamala Harris is like five feet away, it just, it doesn't help his case. Doesn't help, but he seems to, we'll see, we'll see, we'll I see. guess. I mean, I, you know, people still look at him as by far the guy with the most, the candidate with the most experience to step into the job of president and right now. And maybe the most electable. And maybe the most electable, but you're only electable until you're perceived as not electable. And every time they take him down a peg, he loses that case. Good to see you. Good to Thanks, see you. Scott. And that's a wrap from the Democratic debate in Atlanta, Georgia, and from the uh, spin room. It was a long debate. Just a couple of closing comments from me. It was a long debate uh, and certainly not the most exciting debate. Uh, some questions, in fact, have been asked so many times in so many debates that almost all of us could recite the same answers by heart. But there were some interesting dynamics nonetheless. Certainly, Bernie Sanders showed that he was strong again very forceful ideas, very strong presence. He and Elizabeth Warren got most of the time uh, talking about the bold ideas of Medicare for all, of a wealth tax, about climate change. Uh, Amy Klobuchar had another good night. She is probably the strongest debater of the entire field, very pragmatic, uh, good sense of humor, and uh, it shows. Uh, Kamala Harris, trying to get back in the game. I think she succeeded tonight in uh, getting back in the game, uh, certainly scored by uh, stressing the importance of the uh, African-American vote and how she's the best one to organize and to mobilize that African-American vote. Uh, Joe Biden uh, was Joe, again. Uh, some good moments, uh, some inspiring moments at the same time, some stumbles, some embarrassing stumbles, uh, and yet it doesn't seem to hurt him in the national polls, at least. Everybody expected Pete Buttigieg to get beat up tonight. Everybody thought that he would be the target of a lot of attacks. Did not happen, except for Tulsi Gabbard right near the end. Uh, Buttigieg, I think people uh, don't want to touch him because he is young. He is articulate. Uh, he is very popular, certainly at the moment. Uh, and tonight, for the first time, he spoke uh, openly, personally, about the discrimination he has faced as a gay American. Uh, I have to say, there was a contest, I think, for the best lines of the night. Uh, maybe it was a tie between Andrew Yang, who said the first thing he would say if he talked to Putin would be, hey, I'm sorry I beat your guy. Well, maybe not so sorry. And then, of course, uh, Cory Booker in suggesting that when Joe Biden came out against the legalization of pot, he must have been high when he said that. Uh, two very good moments. Overall impression, there's still a strong field of very strong candidates, at least five or six of them, with great ideas, uh, any one of which could beat and should beat Donald Trump. 
And that's a wrap again from the spin room and from the Democratic debate wrap for this very special edition of the Bill Press Pod. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, And don't forget, if you haven't already done so, go to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and sign up for the Bill Press Pod. Subscribe to the Bill Press Pod. Uh, And if you really want to help us out, give us a big five-star rating. It's good to have you with us here in Atlanta. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod. Thank you.